This show is supported by generous listeners like you through our Patreon. This episode was underwritten by the Tamsin G Association and Chris Giddings. To learn more about ways to support Oh My Dollar and get cool perks like exclusive live streams and a fancy special icon on our forums, you can visit ohmydollar.com support. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Kerbake. I'm your other host, Will. Will, it's Pride Month. Woo! Yay! It's Pride Month, and um, I think probably a lot of folks, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, know that Oh My Dollar, a lot of the community work that we do is with GLBTQ uh, youth around financial literacy, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm, I'm also queer, if people hadn't picked up on that. Also, <laughs> our audience is... We're we're we've got a queer audience. It's true, and I I feel like that's been coming through the forums. Yeah, it's definitely been coming through the forums. Uh, so yeah, if you if you want to talk with other queer people about money, if if you're in that camp, then you, you <laughs> there, head, there are many on the forums. Yeah, you should head over to the my dollar forums. Um, but I I just wanted to one, it's Pride Month. I wanted to talk about GLBTQ stuff on air, and so I thought maybe just like a rundown of the queer financial state of the union the state of things yeah <laughs> um which is like i think a lot of people uh especially folks that are are not in the gbtq plus community maybe don't realize that like we're not done everything ain't all equal when it comes to money for GLBTQ plus people and and i think there's a lot of folks that may not realize that there are still a lot of specific considerations that you need to bring into account if you are in a queer relationship or if you're trans or gender non-conforming mm-hmm. that do affect your money it, it has a very big influence on your money and uh there's been a couple of longitudinal studies that have come out in recent years i went on um debt free guys show queer money and we talked about some of the um some of kind of the status of what it looks like and essentially gbtq plus people are more likely to be financially unstable they're they're less likely to have uh, an amount in emergency funds they're less likely to have health insurance and so there there are a lot of kind of there's a long way to go uh, yeah <laughs> i've been watching as as someone who kind of thinks about personal finances all the time it's like one of my favorite parts of watching television shows is to like dive into the like ooh, would this have been practical financially in reality like for especially for like scripted series like what um well you know like i love thinking about uh size of apartments in new york city oh, yeah. i think this is like a really common <laughs> one um uh, someone's broke and has an enormous well-furnished apartment yeah, in yeah. downtown manhattan um or like uh, oh, oh, Sex in the City. She's just terrible with money, mm-hmm. and like uh, so much of her relationship to money is like in that show. And at one point, it was pointed out that she couldn't come up with a down payment when her apartment went co-op, meaning like the apartment she was renting was now going to become condos. Um, she couldn't come up with a down payment, and someone pointed out her down payment was actually her shoes. She owned so many pairs of shoes that at $500 a pop, that was where her down payment was. Um, and so like, I always like thinking about that. And uh, when Call the Midwife came out, it, it came out in the States right before. It's a BBC show about uh, housewives in 1950s London in the East End, which mm-hmm. is a mostly immigrant and impoverished community in London. And it was right after it takes place. It's based on true stories. And it's right after 
the National Health Service was implemented in the UK. And watching it as an American who at the time didn't have health insurance and the ACA had not been fully implemented yet, it just looked like a massive advertisement to me as an American for the power of socialized healthcare on <laughs> on the economic situations of people in poverty. Yeah, Europe sometimes looks like that. So. Yeah, because there, there, well, and there were just so many people that were like, what do you mean that I can go to the doctor and it won't cost me money? I've been putting this off for 10 years. Like, like it, it and that is still true for so many people I know in the US. Um, and so I always like to think about that. And one of the shows I've been watching recently is called Pose, which is phenomenal. I think it's won like all of the awards, 100% uh-huh. of them. And it is a uh, show. It's I've been watching it on Netflix. I think it's through FX. And it is a drama show based on the ballroom dance scene and the AIDS crisis in the late 80s and early 90s New York City. And it is phenomenal. But majority of the characters are trans women. And so many of... and and uh, cisgendered gay men. And so much of the kind of discussion is around healthcare and the HIV crisis and getting gender affirming surgeries. Hmm. And I keep thinking about how like in, in so many ways, things have improved for trans folks and gay folks since the late 80s, early 90s. And, and for people that are in communities that are affected by HIV. But the healthcare is still there. It's still one of the primary yeah, things. Yeah, there's, so, there's still that whole whole problem. Um, I also recommend Pose, even though even though it has what are like some pretty heavy themes. It is delightful. It is glitzy, and uh, the creator Ryan Murphy, um, who made it, uh, essentially said he didn't want there to be any like brutality or bashing on the screen. He wanted it to be an up- uplifting series. So even mm-hmm. though it deals with heavy themes. I, I, a lot of queer people are like, please don't kill off another character. There's a there's a trope in television, which is that lesbians will find love and then immediately one of them will die. Yeah, and <laughs> and they've avoided that trope. That's they, yeah, yeah, and they, they they put a lot of energy into trying to avoid it. So here's kind of the state of um, queer money. I thought would be interesting to talk about. One big one is employment protections. So there are still no employment protections at the federal level and in the majority of U.S. states for if you don't get hired or you get fired for um, being discovered for being GLBTQ. Uh, So both gender identity and sexual orientation are not protected classes in the majority of U.S. states. Wow, yeah, and that's huge. And yeah, it's a big deal because it means while marriage equality has had a profound impact on the financial core of LGBTQ households, simply because uh, marriage is essentially at the government level is a financial institution, Uh right? You know, it has a lot of impact on your ability to streamline contracts that you signed with your partner and, uh, you know, have rights to visit each other and the tax system and things like that. At the core, marriage equality means nothing if it doesn't also come with employment protection because it, being in a uh, a gay marriage could impact it, your your work yeah, your could find out yeah. and it can impact your employment. And we, we've seen this even even in, you know, Portland, we've seen uh, which is, you know, we're we're liberal. We're a liberal hotspot and uh-huh. we do have protection at the state level. But we have seen, um, you know, religious institutions. So um uh, locally here, there was a big conflict with St. Mary's Academy, which oh, yeah. was a uh, a school teacher who was who was fired, I believe, who was fired. Yeah, um, when the school found out that she was uh, a lesbian, and we've seen this in Florida. I mean, we've seen this all over the country. So this employment still has a big impact because that is how most people obtain money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then healthcare. 
So I know that this often ends up turning into the healthcare sob story show, but this is 100% the biggest financial challenge facing generations of Americans. But access to GLBTQ healthcare extends outside of America's broken system. So for queer folks all over the world, finding doctors that understand variance in gender and sexuality can be a huge challenge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In the UK, getting assigned to a doctor that doesn't understand uh, your risk factors in the GLBTQ plus community for HIV means that you might not get educated. You might not have access to things like PrEP, which is a drug that significantly reduces the chance of HIV infection, or might not understand the STI risks for, uh, for lesbians, which are higher for certain types of STIs, even though lesbians will often get told, oh, well, well you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but yeah, no, having a doctor that's informed about your community is totally vital. That's... And just, you know, f- like, it's nice to make sure you have a doctor that's not going to make you wait in the women's waiting room if you're not a woman, yeah, yeah. right? Like, that kind of stuff uh, is really, really important. And so there's understanding the sexual health needs of GLBTQ plus folks, but also making sure that trans folks have access to gender affirming treatments and surgery. Trans healthcare is a huge financial issue. According to the Mayo Clinic, a disproportionate number of transgender people are uninsured compared to the average American. And although federal law prohibits health insurance plans from discriminating against transgender individuals, 30 states allow health insurance plans to exclude transgender related health care from oh, coverage. Wow. Yeah. So there's plenty of folks who have what, you know, good government jobs, so to speak, um, that do not have access to uh, gender affirming surgery or or trans specific health care uh, on their health insurance. Um, this is we've seen a case with a police officer in Texas who had to deal with this. Um, 19 percent of trans folks uh, have reported, according to the Mayo Clinic, that they have been denied care by health care providers. Mm-hmm. And most health care providers have little or no formal training in addressing the needs of the trans community, which can contribute to lots of stress through stigmatization, avoidance, discrimination and prejudice. We see a lot of trans folks putting off access to health care because they don't feel like they can find a doctor that feels safe. And, you know, one of the conversations I was having on Twitter <laughs> People still talk on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the was with someone who said, like, there's only one queer doctor that they feel comfortable going to. So they're choosing to get a health insurance that has a high deductible plan. Oh, but, just so they can go to that doctor. Well, but mm-hmm. and they're still ha- going to have to pay out of pocket because they cannot find a plan that covers that provider that's accessible to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, like, this is just a question of like, this is there is a cost to being queer, to making sure that you can get access to it. Shortages in rural healthcare workforces have a huge impact on uh, healthcare generally all over the world. Um, but there's also low rates of insurance coverage generally in rural areas, which means that, and you've got a long drive for healthcare facilities a lot of the time. Yeah, and fewer fewer doctors and healthcare professionals, I'm sure. Yeah, and that means that a lot of trans folks have to drive hours and hours to even get access to someone who even understands what trans is. Yeah. So uh, this is one of those situations where, you know, it is this has a huge impact. Like healthcare has a massive financial impact, especially in the US, but it does all over the world, right? Like health has an impact on your finances. 
as far as your earning potential, as far as uh, spending money on it, if you live in um, a country like the U.S. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, access to it has a big impact on folks. Uh, Lambda Legal reports that 70 percent of transgender individuals have suffered some form of maltreatment at the hands of medical professionals, wow. including harassment and violence. And suicide attempts among transgender individuals are extraordinarily high at 25 to 43 percent. Um, and the, that prevalence increases even more in those who have uh, negative experience with a healthcare professional. Right, yes, that has real Im- impacts on people. It's a big deal. Oh, okay. So healthcare is too depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but another thing to talk about is buying a baby. So if you are GLBTQ+, it is likely that you do not have access to a free sex baby. <laughs> and uh, acquiring a child can be one of those areas that has a huge financial impact. So it just takes a lot more money and time in order to start a family and grow a family when you are GLBTQ. Yeah. So from navigating in a bunch of states, there is no second second parent adoption for same-sex couples. Sometimes in Ohio, for example, the anonymous sperm donor's family has more rights to the child than the second parent in a same-sex relationship. That's wild. It's totally wild. And so figuring out where to source sperm from ends up being a huge impact for a lot of lesbian couples. So not Ohio. Not Ohio. Yeah. No, I, I know multiple Ohioan couples that have uh, that have decided to get their sperm from outside the state. But this is one of those co- cases where, like, you would never know this unless you had access to do the research. And then this is a whole extra cost that you need to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, and and that's in a case where you have wombs in the relationship. Right. Yeah. Um, at and there's even more complications that go into it for folks that one of them is on some sort of hormones because one of those folks is trans uh, or in the cases where you've got two men that are trying to adopt a child and they're trying to figure out how to navigate adoption. Adoption is not cheap. I don't know no, if anybody it's knows that. Expensive. It's yeah. very expensive. Um, and this is one of those cases where. Uh, you know, people are like, oh, why don't you just do foster to adopt or something like that? Um, and foster to adopt can be a really great program, but it is not uh, it is often not supported. And the end goal of the program, if if possible, is to put children back with their biological parents. So there are a lot of queer couples that choose to go through foster to to adopt for financial reasons, but end up, you know, their their child leaves them when their parents clean up or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, and the goal is always to try to reunite them with the biological parents as possible. And so there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of reasons why people don't necessarily do foster to adopt. So uh, this has a huge impact. <laughs> wow. Well, I feel like we're getting, it's getting depressing. But... I think one of the other things I want to talk about is homelessness in GLBTQ youth. This is obviously an area where I have the most experience because the GLBTQ youth that I teach financial workshops to mm-hmm. are experiencing homelessness. Um, currently, there's an ex- estimated 700,000 homeless youth in the United States, which is roughly one out of 30 youth. Among homeless youth, a disproportionate number of those youth identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. Uh, which, whereas like two to 7% of LGBTQ folks are in the general population, about one third of homeless youth identify as LGBTQ plus much, much higher number, much higher. And, uh, this is because a lot of GLBTQ youth are kicked out of their Mm -hmm, homes, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, and it has a huge impact on their ability to get housing. So, 
<sighs> that's the disappointing. The state of things is poor. The state of things is poor. There's still progress to be made in the LGBTQ community. There is different financial facts for GLBTQ folks and different things we're still fighting on. I guess don't believe that just because we have marriage equality, everything's solved. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're a cis person. Remains uh, much to be done. We have a lot of trans brothers and sisters who have trouble even accessing the basic, basic needs of life. And, um, and that is because, you know, we've got a ways to go. So I think, I guess I want to end on a positive note here. And what I want to say is that like, even though it was, you know, hard for me to come out in the community I was in when I when I was uh, queer youth, I am so happy I finally did come out and the relationships I've built and that there is we're family. I think that's the thing to know is that if you're in in a in a place where you're struggling to fit out figure out how you fit into all of this, I think the important thing to remember is that like the Rainbow Family is fam. And we take care of each other. And uh, we've gotten through harder financial situations and more discrimination in the past. And I hope things are improving. They've certainly improved since I came out, what, I don't know, 17 years ago. And uh, I'm just, you know, I'm proud to be part of this community and how we take care of each other. So... I think that's it. I hope that's more uplifting. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess to wrap this, I'm going to end with a spawn. But um, the work that I do with uh, GOBTQ youth is supported in a large part through our pay it forward donors um, who can get a book for themselves and donate a book to the youth programs that I do. And uh, they're, you know, it's super easy to support that work. And you can find out more and support it at our Kickstarter, which is still going on for a couple more days when this episode episode airs you can find out about it at ohmydollar.com slash cats <laughs> <Should've known. laughs> uh, that wraps our show for today and we'd love hearing from you email us your financial worries or successes at questions at oh my dollar or tweet us at at anomaly or at oh my dollar our producer is will Romy. our intro music is by aaron parecki and your host and personal finance educator is me lillian carebake Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you.